disturbing. Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars and more. I'm here with two of the best hosts in the galaxy. First off, we have the funny one, Wesley. You know, Blake, I think it's my year. I think it's finally my year. I love you, man. What's up, dorks? So sad. And our very own Jedi Archive, Dietrich. I feel like I'm running up a hill right now. We made a deal with God. You want to swap places? Something like that. No copyright infringement, please. Oh, yeah, we can't do that. Those are my own words. You thought of them yourself. Yeah. Yeah, what is a what is a Kate Bush? Um, that is a George Bush when it evolves. <laughs> is that George Bush's final form? Turning into Kate. Oh gosh. So it's just the three of us tonight, guys. It's it's gonna be a party. I, I feel like we're the party crowd, you know? You know, it's a little bit of a strange thing to have just three of us for one for one uh episode here, you know? It's getting a little weird. I'm feeling a little creepy. Yeah. A little, little bare bones. A little, uh, little intimate, if you will. I think the last one that we were all three on together, just us three, was like uh, way back. I, I think it's in our first ten episodes, maybe. We were talking about the clones. In our first season. Our first season. Well, we don't really have seasons. <laughs> it kind of feels like it, though. As many breaks as we take sometimes, which we are currently, we're not doing breaks, really. We keep adding characters, and it's hard to keep up. It really is. The characters just grow up before us. Yeah, it's like I saw Blake when he was so young, like back in the day, and now he's just old. <laughs> now I got a different haircut. I got a couple kids. Stories have happened. I'm fat now. You used to have a cool hat, but you don't have a cool hat anymore. I mean, I don't I mean, I think most of my hats are cool. I mean, I'm not wearing one currently. Exactly, yeah. You're not wearing one right now, so... Yeah. Well, let's let's go on and get into some news. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this, whoever you are. First off, we are recording this episode on July 7th, 2022. Thor Love and Thunder comes out today. And by the time you guys are hearing this, you will either have had the choice to go and see it or you didn't <laughs> but um guys are you excited for thor love and thunder i don't think we've ever talked about it on the show i love thor i love guardians having them together is gonna be great i can't wait and natalie portman's coming back and i always love me some natalie portman i think she might have awoken some things in me as a teenager early on in the days so love to see her again do you love thunder um I like do you it. love thunder i like it uh on occasion with love, sure. Yeah. For sure. Go ahead and throw yeah. it in there. Yeah. So so you don't like Thunder by itself. Kind of like Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons love Thunder way too much. They certainly say it enough. Yeah, they do. Wesley, are you excited for Thor, Love and Thunder? Excited is a strong word, but, you know, I'll go see the movie and no expectations. Um, I, I'm just glad movies are back and I get to go enjoy my $7.25 movie theater. Where? Where is right. that? Right next to my apartment. So come on over. 
It's only a couple hours drive for me and Diedrich. I only have to go to Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't give information out for free. <laughs> Sorry, we can edit that out. I only have to drive to the next state north. <laughs> They're going to know we're not in Wyoming and Montana and Vermont and... <laughs> Maine. They can probably tell from your accent that we're in the south. I'm not going to lie. Do I have a southern accent? We're not in the south. I don't think I, no. I, don't think I do. I wasn't you talking don't. about Wesley. I was talking about Blake. Oh yeah, Blake. Yeah, for sure. I, and I can I can slide into it from time to time. I agree. Hey y'all. When I'm around my wife's family long enough, it happens. Yeah, that that ban- that banjo starts coming out of your throat. Yep, I, I know how it goes. But um, I am excited for Thor: Love and Thunder. The last Thor movie, Ragnarok, was hilarious. I, I thought it did a good job of being humorous while telling a good story. And it, it was kind of out of character for Thor to be that funny, like, with his past, like, the first Thor movie, Dark World, and then the, in the Avengers films, he kind of gets into the humor a little bit, but Ragnarok is where, where he, like, it's, he's just hilarious. And I like that Thor, and I didn't think I would. I, I would, you think Thor, you think more serious, God of Thunder, um, mightiness, you know? But there's something about this new direction with Thor that I really like. But you know... Out of the big three, you got Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Out of the three of them, he was always the comic relief. Yes, in the in the Avengers movies. Right. So I'm not I'm not like I didn't feel like it was super out of character. If you go back and watch the original like Avenger movies, they have the whole like Shakespeare in the Park thing. He's the butt of several jokes. Like, yeah, but he's the butt. He's not really the witty, funny one. But now he's kind of more witty funny you know like the the jokes were the jokes kind of went over his head because he's not from earth but now he's kind of making the jokes you know you know what's interesting is uh thor ragnarok came out five years ago doesn't seem like it yeah time has gone by it really doesn't and that's such a good movie man I, i love ragnarok and we're getting a lot of the same characters from that movie the first thor film was pretty good the second one, Dark World was okay. They're not horrible movies. They're okay, but man, I, I love Ragnarok. So I can't wait to see that. The villain is going to be um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale? Yeah, Christian Bale's the bad guy. So I think that makes it even better. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. It's going to be cool to see. That's interesting. An actor is going to play in both universes. You know what I'm talking about? Like Marvel and DC. Well, that was like before they were trying to make it a DC universe, so it's not as weird, I guess. It was back yeah. in the day, Batman. Especially now that we got the new, new Batman, and probably in two years, another new, new Batman. Just wait long enough, we're going to get a new Batman. Yeah, yeah, there's always a, a, an up-and-coming Batman, right? And we're going to have to talk about the new Batman movie uh, pretty soon here. Maybe maybe next week. We, we never got around to it. In other news... Jessica Jones is now on Disney Plus, has been for a little bit, but the title has changed. It's no longer just Jessica Jones. It is AKA Jessica Jones, which is a little odd. This could be like a new direction that they're thinking of going. Maybe it's not the universe we're thinking it is. Maybe um, I believe that this was a project that Disney was working on before. I think ABC was working on it and it was an AKA Jessica Jones show. That was the title of a show they were doing. 
and maybe it's a homage to that. I don't know. I have no idea why they would do that. So when you say AKA Jessica Jones, is it like also known as? Is that what it stands for? Or right? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. It was like a. It's not like Aka Jessica Jones. Or like using AK against using AK against Jessica Jones. That's probably not going to work out too good. Probably not. Hey, how many seasons? Okay, like I remember when it was on Netflix, there were like two seasons, I think. I think it's two. Yeah. I think it's two. It was one of the better um, Marvel shows on Netflix. Are, are there going to be any more seasons, or is that like series done now? They're bringing Daredevil back for sure. I don't know if it's the same universe that the Netflix Daredevil was in, but it's definitely the same actor. So we'll. I, I think it's yet to be seen. And with the title change, it seems like they're going in a different direction. So can't can't wait to see where that goes. They, they used that Daredevil actor in a movie, a Spider-Man movie recently. So I think the yeah, like, he was in he was in No Way Home. Yep. Spoilers. He's sorry. Really? Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. So they're gonna bring him in the MCU too. Yep. That he was he was the lawyer for Peter Parker. Technically, any Marvel movie that's ever happened, if you think about the Hulk in the seventies, that TV show, it happened. Because there's a multiverse now. Like, you can bring anything from anywhere ever into the Marvel Universe, the MCU now. So, it, it's all it's all the MCU. I MCU too. Aw, so sweet. Told you guys it was going to be intimate. You're a part of the MCU. You know, if there's a multiverse, that there's likely a character just like me somewhere in the galaxy. So, there's a me. I'm in the MCU. I mean, chances are I'm there. <laughs> I wonder what the multiverse Dietrich's doing right now. He's sitting right here having a podcast about Star Wars because Star Wars probably also exists in, in a universe where I also exist and am the same way I am right now. It, he's having a podcast about Star Trek. <laughs> that'd be that'd be like the the <laughs> negative version of me. Well, no, well, that's not ne- the multiverse is just different versions of you doing different things. It's not like a carbon copy of you. It's different use. What's like Bizarro compared to Superman? It's like the opposite. Yeah, Bizarro Superman is... That's what I'm trying to say. They'd be like that if they were doing Star Trek. Right. Maybe they're maybe they're doing a My Little Pony podcast. Who knows? There is likely a, you know, a brony version of me somewhere. It is a, <laughs> a very big galaxy with many universes. There might be a universe <laughs> where it's like Pony Wars, the door cast, and it's us talking about My Little Pony. You don't know. It's possible. Is, it's out there. It's getting weird. It's, it's getting weird, it's, but it's, it's out all there somewhere. It's all canon. It's all all the canon. <laughs> it's all it's all canon. It's all the multiverse. It's all part of the MCU, right? <laughs> Moving on the conversation. Uh, <laughs> so that's our new segment. But Dork Wars the podcast has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising. What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. We've got Dork Wars the t-shirt, Dork Wars the hoodie, Dork Wars the coffee mug, and yes, we even have Dork Wars, the 1980s single that plays in every episode of a new Netflix show. That is not true. We will be working on that. We've got um, some musicians. I mean, we're all musicians on the podcast right now. We'll record that song. Give me a keyboard. I can make an 80s song. Heck yeah. We'll be in the next season of uh, Stranger Things, our song. That'd be great. That'd be really cool. It'll be called Stranger Things. strangest things but check out the dork wars merchandise store we have all those great things we have our classic logo we have our current logo we have uh some great stuff on there so you can check us out 
on our Dork Wars link tree. You can also check us out on dorkwarspodcast.com. You can find our merch store there. You can find our YouTube link where we do lives every other week, or excuse me, every other Saturday at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find our Twitch channel there as well. You can watch us play games now and again. I think we streamed um, this past week. That was a whole lot of fun. So just check out dorkwarspodcast.com, the merch store, and where Dork Wars the Podcast wherever you go. Dork Wars the Podcast is also part of the Red 5 Network. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Tonight, Dork Wars the Podcast is tackling Stranger Things Season 4. Tonight, we are talking Stranger Things Season 4. I have to issue a spoiler warning here. If you have not seen Stranger Things Season 4, Volumes 1 or 2, we're talking about all of it, Paul's Dork Wars the podcast. I mean, you might want to just turn us off because it's, it's a long season. I mean, it's like a bajillion hours. Probably like eight or nine. I mean, it's probably like eight or nine hours, man. It's a long, long season. Yeah, I mean, each episode, well... There's nine episodes, and the last one is two and a half hours, right, or something like that. And then most of them, yeah, and the, and the least amount's like forty five. I think that's the. I was gonna say they're they're at least forty five to an hour. Some of them even go above an hour. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot. So turn just turn off Dork Wars the podcast. Just remember we did an episode on Stranger Things. Watch season four of Stranger Things, then come back and listen to Dork Wars the podcast. So we're not going to talk about the events of this like in chronological order. We would be here until season five of Stranger Things if we were going to do that. But we are going to talk about the high points, what we liked, what we disliked. First off, I want general thoughts. Wesley, we're coming to you first, buddy. What do you think of uh, Stranger Things season four? Fantastic, man. Like It was a long wait to get here, but... It was well done, well delivered, and yeah, I, I love Stranger Things. As do I. It it was a long wait to get here, thanks COVID, but I I, I feel you, man. It was, it was good to see some new Stranger Things. Diedrich, what do you think about uh, Stranger Things Season 4? I think the strangest thing about it all is is how these kids have survived with such little parental like involvement in their life and and supervision. These kids just go back. I mean, it's the eighties. It's the eighties. They just go about. It's the eighties, man. That's how all the kids lived. This is. I will say, it's historically accurate, (laughs) except for you know, Hawkins, Indiana, having a big four point crevice in it or four line crevice in it. I'm a big fan, though. It's fun. I mean, it's like. It does make me think a lot of a little bit of, of the early 90s of my childhood growing up in, in a very rural town just like Hawkins. And there's basically before the Walmart came to town, 
it was a lot of like mom and pop shops and it reminded me of exactly like that. You could ride your bike, you know, I was I was growing up like right next to the downtown. So we had hardware stores owned by moms and pops and a whole lot of little shops and right. stuff. So you could just ride right through it and when I was about, you know, ten to fourteen, fifteen, I was just riding my bike around town. So I get a lot of nostalgia from the, the early nineties and it really into the two thousands just being in the rural south, kind of like rural Indiana. I will say that I grew up in a town a lot like Hawkins, Indiana as well. I mean, there's still things about the town that I live in um, that are that have that vibe, you know. Um, but it, it's, it definitely gives you a nostalgia feel because it's it's like all the stuff I watched growing up. Because I, I watched a lot of 80s TV growing up in, in the 90s and early 2000s. A lot of those things were on rerun and, and we watched them all the time. So, yeah, it, it gives me a nostalgic feel too. And I think that's one of the cool things about the show. And I think that's why... It's so successful. It gives you that nostalgia feel while also like this, what the heck is going on feel like what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going on. It's exciting, but it's also like a warm, happy place back in the past, even though it's, I mean, technically a different timeline that that didn't happen in the eighties. But so aside from what I just said about the strangest thing, I got to say, one of the stranger things is the lack of <laughs> racial overtones in the show, even though it is the 80s, you know? Like, yeah. everybody seems really cool with everybody. There's no, like, big divide, and that's not my experience. It seems like everybody kind of yeah. is... It seems like they're totally integrated, and I don't want to get into right. politics and segregation and all that on a fun podcast, but that is one thing that actually does take me out a little bit, although I do understand why they're staying or they're trying to steer clear of trying to even you know to tiptoe around that because they want this to be a fun thing for everybody, yeah, and, and nobody wants right. to be reminded of I guess real life in that way while having yeah. to enjoy this show, so yeah, because I mean, let's face it, this show takes place. In, in a world that is different from ours, you know, in, in this 1980s, everybody's happy, whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, I don't know, we, there's no Asian folks or Hispanic folks on the show, but it, it seems like everyone's cool with everybody else, and I like that part of it, even though it wasn't totally like that in the 80s. I will say, though, we get a little bit of that racial overtone in season two. I know we're not talking about season two, but when uh, all the kids dress up as the Ghostbusters in the first episode, and Mike assumed oh, that Lucas right, was yeah. going to be Winston because he's the black guy, like right. you know, yeah, so I do you, remember you that. You get now. a little bit of it. You get a little bit of it, but it's not. It doesn't take over the whole thing, right? And and they don't t- treat Lucas any different. I mean, other than that one time, right? Um, but it's not something they harp on, and it keeps it fun. It, it keeps it as light as a TV show about kids being ripped apart by monsters can. The town also seemed to have gotten a lot larger in between seasons two and three. So it, you know, it didn't seem like there was that much diversity in the earlier seasons. But once you see that mall that, uh, that popped up in the middle of the town in season three, if you remember that, yeah. you, you get a right. lot more diversity out of nowhere. So fun fact about that mall, you know what that, that mall was based off of? I don't. But I know the Duffer brothers are from Durham, so is it a Durham mall? They are. It is. I think I believe it was South Square Mall. That that um, South Square. That South Point. And that was in Durham. Well, no, it's not South Point. South Point Mall is in Durham now, but there used to be a mall called South Square Mall. It was torn down when I was a kid. It was maybe the late '90s, early 2000s. But that 
that mall was based on South Square Mall in Durham. That's another thing I like about the show, that they're from Durham and repping the Dirty D. That's right. Uh, all of us are from around that area. We grew up around that area, so we we get it. Shout out to the Duffer Brothers. They even, even in this uh, season, the uh, the town that they route the call through to Russia in like the first or second episode is... It says you're from Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, that was so cool. It's a good callback. There's a lot of things about Hawkins that is like uh, Durham, North Carolina. We can't go into all of them, but uh, you can look those up on Google if you're that interested. But it's definitely cool to see that in this show. It's, It's only cool to us folks that are like from the surrounding area of Durham, grew up around Durham and stuff, but still pretty cool. Um, this This season kind of stood out to me as being the most gruesome so far. Oh, as yeah. As far as the yeah. imagery, the killings, it, and I'm not knocking it. I'm, I'm not knocking it by any means, but it really seems like they kicked the horror aspect of it up a notch. Yeah, I mean, right from the get-go, they even have that, that disclaimer at the beginning that just, like, it makes references to, uh, I can't remember what shooting, and that, that's how bad things are right now, but there was yeah. a shooting, like, uh, what was it, two days or something before it came out? Or it was that same week? Before that, yes, sir. Yeah. And then they had that disclaimer. And I, I made that reference when we were talking about one of the first episodes in Kenobi. I was like, yeah, Star Wars don't care. They're just going to gun down the younglings. But uh, Netflix does give you a little warning. And, and it is it is way more gruesome than the deaths we see in Kenobi. I guess Blaster Fire doesn't create as, as gruesome and amounts of blood as telekinesis. But... uh yeah. You see, you see what we think is L go off, and we find out was one um, killing a whole bunch of the other students that were under. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what organization it is, but basically with Papa and L and all the rest of them. Yeah, Doctor Brenner, his Papa. Yes, um, I'm definitely going to come back to that. But even Vecna, Henry, Number One, whatever you want to call this dude, uh, one, the way that he kills. When you see that first body, it's uh, Chrissy, the, the the cheerleader girl. The first time you see Vecna kill, he crumples that girl like the way that she just all of her like joints snap back a different way. They should. Oh man, I watched it. And I cringed, man. That was the most gruesome death we had seen up to that point in Stranger Things. That that whole scene, it was like you said, it was gruesome, and like her eyes got popped out, and blood was gushing out, yeah. and, and things were bending directions they're not supposed to bend. I'm like, oh god, I was not expecting this. Yeah, I wasn't, and and it it, it brings a, a new thing to the show, and it, there's you have to bring new stuff to each season. I mean, that's that's part of it. If it's the same old, same old, there are some people's like, oh, I love it for what it is, but people are going to get bored with it. And bringing the the gruesomeness up a notch, I, I think, helped this season. Um, but yeah, definitely more gruesome than past seasons. This is the first time we're seeing a villain that has like a, a a plan. A it it kills it it. These killings are for the sake of almost enjoyment too, because the demogorgons, the 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 kind of animals we've seen from the upside down, the mind flare. Even the mind, the mind flare seems to just want to control, not necessarily just destroy. And then the demogorgons right. and the demodogs, they're eating. They're like predators, so it's they're just animals. You can't, you can't necessarily <laughs> the like, Dimsdale Demodon? Are they are they out uh, uh, the Dimsdale Demodon? Yeah, demodogs, the Dimsdale Demodon, whatever Demodogs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, what if Vecna was struck me What if Vecna was a Doug Dimmadon? What's his name? The Dimsdale Dimmadon. Yeah. Doug Dimmadon from the Dimsdale Dimmadon. But anyway, we've seen like animals, we've seen this almost godlike mind flare that doesn't necessarily care. It just wants control. And then now we've got a, a villain. We've got a villain that actually wants to kill and seems to enjoy the murder. Well, we have a villain who has an identity. Right, yeah. That I too. mean, the Demogorgon's just a faceless monster. The Mind Flayer, a faceless monster that stabs things and wants control, but doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't have a voice. It doesn't talk to anyone. Like, it it talks to, like, Will Byers' head and stuff, but, I mean, it's, this is a personal villain. Like, the kids have been fighting a faceless enemy the past three seasons, and now... We have a face to what they've been fighting this whole time. And the reveal of this villain, it, it brought the season up a notch. It's, it, it brought the something new that we were talking about earlier. The something new is the villain isn't just another monster. It is someone that has influenced Eleven, has influenced Hawkins. Um, it, it brings so many questions to the series as a whole. I, I love how they kind of kind of guide you into it. We think that uh that the little aid guy Henry is this good meek um dude. He's trying to help Eleven out. He's trying to help the kids. He's doing this, he's doing that. And then it turns out he's Vecna. He's like the big bad guy. I th- I didn't see it coming really. I really didn't. And you guys may have, but I I did not. I actually he always seemed creepy to me. He was overly... He seemed off, yeah. Yeah, he was overly helpful. Um, there was some. I thought there was something off about him. I didn't know he was going to be Vecna, but I thought he was going to be the reason why all those kids had died. I already, I kind of pinned that pretty early on. Um, but I didn't know he was going to be Vecna, so I thought he was somehow going to be related, but not necessarily the actual guy. Um, the dude is... Yeah, anyway, I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah. We got a villain now that I guess it's, it's like a foil to L, right? This is the first time we've got yeah. a in classical literature. There's often a character that's like the opposite, and this is now somebody who has the same powers but just wants to destroy and doesn't have those those yeah. familial connections like L does to her friends and adoptive family. So doesn't I right. guess even you know they're like he's there's an interaction that he had with L where he was basically like we're gods, um, and these are ants, something like that, you know, and. Yeah, and she she didn't see but, it that way because these are her friends. These are people to her. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is Elle actually sees the people around her as the superheroes, like Hopper. She thinks Hopper is like the world's greatest hero. Mike, when she has Will um, paint that picture we see in the last, uh, I think it's either the last episode or second to last episode. You know, he shows Will shows Mike the picture that that Elle commissioned him to to draw or paint or whatever. And Mike's up front. He's the leader. He's giving everyone hope. Elle really sees the people around her as the heroes, not necessarily herself. She really thinks herself a monster. Whereas the actual monster, um, one thinks he is a God. And like you said, it's a foil, but at the same time, it's, it's an interesting contrast. The way that they are different from what they think they are. So this season did a lot for relationships. It seems like every character is having some kind of relationship issue. And I I found out that each character that talks about their relationship does it at the worst time. And then they acknowledge that every time that, um, in like the last two episodes, 
It's uh, um, Nancy, and Steve, Steve, and Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan, Robert. Every one of them talk about their relationship problems at the worst. Mike, even Mike does it. He's like, I know that there's Robin. more important stuff going on right now. Yeah, I said Robin. Oh my bad. Yeah, I didn't forget Robin. And that's not Batman's Robin. It's a different Robin. Where is she? Where's the drugs? Um, but each character has relationship issues in the last couple of episodes at the worst time, and they acknowledge it. I think it's hilarious how Mike's like, I, I think Elle might like leave me. I know that there's a bunch of death going on right now, but we should talk about this. <laughs> and Nancy does about the same thing. Jonathan, Steve, every, everybody does it. It's hilarious. It kind of reminds you, though, even though these kids do heroic stuff, they're still kids. At the end of the day, yes. They don't know how to handle relationships. They can't quite, they're not mature enough to express their feelings in a, in a mature way that's not, you know, confrontational or whatever. And if we all remember back to that age, our relationships like that, like when we like had that little puppy love thing going on, that was like the most important thing, right? We all thought we were um, just the couple that was destined to be like... We were the champions of love, and it's all going to work out. And that was the most important thing. And I feel like even as old as Jonathan and Nancy are, they're, what, 19-ish now, 20 maybe? I mean, it's been a couple of years since I think they graduated in that first season, if I'm not mistaken. So Right. They're, they should even, be in college this year or something. Yeah. So even even at that level, like, they they are still in that that kind of a phase of life where their relationships are like the most important thing ever the you know their their love affairs and such and speaking of that i really i was really rooting for nancy and steve to get back yeah. together i'm not i'm not even lying to you team steve i don't think john i, I don't think either one of them is really right for nancy if i'm gonna be completely honest about it in the first season, I think Jonathan was right for Nancy then. I really do. And I, this is a weird... We'd never go into these kind of things in this podcast, but here we go. We're getting in here. I'm giving you my thoughts. Let's do it. I'm, I'm feeling it tonight. It's, it's intimate. It's just us three. It's, we're doing this. We're talking about teenagers who don't exist and their relationship problems. Let's go, boys. Dork Ward's giving love advice. Heck yeah. So stay tuned for uh, Dr. Love. But Jonathan was everything that Nancy needed in that first season, right? And then now they've kind of, they've, they've got time apart. He's in California. He's a stoner now. Like, I feel like he's a lot different. He's kind of more like a vagabond now. And who still lives with his mom, which is weird. It's weird to be a vagabond and still live with your mom. But he gives me that vibe. And Nancy's just doing her thing. But Steve, this is, this is the... I mean, he's only, he's only 20. I mean, did you not live, if you hadn't gone to college, would you not have lived with your parents? If I hadn't gone to college, I would probably have lived with my parents, yes. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's a problem. I'm just saying the vibe he gives off. He gives me like that stoner, like roam around the country kind of vibe. Might be. He's that kid doing a gap year, you know? He's, he graduated high school. He's just like hanging out for a year before he figures things out. That's all he's doing. And I'm cool with it. But on the flip side, Steve is... Even he's getting his stuff together, even though he, he works at the TV rental or the um, video rental place, whatever. S Steve has really made leaps and bounds on his character development. Like, yes, Steve's, Steve's on an incline with his like 
his likability and his just life in general. He's on the up. But he and has been. He he has been since season two. Like it's it's not like a new thing. Like crappy douchey Steve from the first season has been gone for a long time. You know that Jock kind of replaces him in that stereotypical teenager cool villain kind of yeah, guy. You know he does, and and he, he's much more hateable than Steve ever was. I think. It's because he's so ignorant, and he doesn't even care to try to understand. Yeah, Steve at least sees reason and tries. Steve at the end of season one, yeah, even at the end of season one, he comes around and realizes what's going yeah. on. And I can't remember the guy's name, but the captain of the basketball team. Jason. I'm trying to find his name. Jason. Jason just never even tries. No, and that's why he's so all. detestable, because he, he yeah. represents kind of like the worst of society that just assumes crazy things and then acts in yeah. crazy ways the small town folks with the pitchforks and the torches yeah that's that's what he's representing and he does a good job we we love to hate him but steve man i i like steve i'm liking steve more and more every, every time i see steve on screen he's doing great things he's a good friend to robin he's a good friend to dustin and the other kids but mainly dustin um well they make a lot of references that he's like the dad of the kids he kind of is like he's always going like when they split up Scooby Doo style. He's always paired with like the kids. You know, he's taking care of the kids. Always the babysitter. Always the gosh dang babysitter. And and he's and he's kind of on the level with the kids. Like you you think of because the kids are smart, right? I mean, they're they're really smart. Steve is not like the most uh, book knowledge guy, you know. So they're kind of like on the same level. Yeah, he's got the street smarts though. He does. He really does. But I think who he is now would be very good for Nancy. I really do. Um, they like every time they're talking, and I think I think that's where this is headed. Season five, I think we're gonna see Nancy kind of pull away from Jonathan. We kind of see it in in this season, like even at the end, like she's he's he asks her, "Are we good?" You know, whatever, and she just kind of yeah. It's so awkward. Yeah, I like I don't think even though they're actors date in real life, the the actor for Natalie and or and um and Jonathan. Uh, there's just no chemistry on the show. Like it just seems sort of dull and awkward, and not and not there. Obviously, they weren't together at all this season to the last episode, the last twenty some minutes. So I get that. But even in past seasons, that first season, they do kind of have that chemistry. Like he's there yeah. for her. He was a good friend. Like they, I think, and I'm remembering now. I hadn't seen the first season in a while, but they were friends way back or something, or they knew each other way back. And now, and now, like they kind of come back and her friends, and he's there for her. And then in season two and three, he's, he's just kind of there in, in relationship, their, their relationship. He's just kind of there. He does things for his brother, Will, but he's just kind of there in the Nancy, um, Jonathan thing, Nonathan, Jancy, whatever you want to call it. A lot of times you can judge a relationship of how they act when they're not together. You know, like what kind of character are they? And um, it's just even when they're apart, you know, it just seemed weird. Something seemed off about it. Yeah. Jonathan's not a great character on his own. He's always been kind of bled to me. The people around him really make him the character he is. His loyalness to his brother, which we didn't get a lot of in this season. And there's a reason for that. I'm not knocking that choice. He even says in the season he has distanced himself from his brother. He's obviously done that with Nancy as well. He's not as emotionally available. Like, and that's a choice that they meant to make, I think. 
But at the same time, Nancy has always been a great character on her own. She doesn't need any other person to like make her that great of a character, but she's a good character. I just want to bring up that out of the older kids, Jonathan has been dealing with what the younger kids have been dealing with the longest. He was the first ally uh, out of the older sets of kids to jump into this fight. Uh, That's true. Whatever form it took, but in season one, he was the first to kind of, because it was his brother, so I give you that. You you made reference to his relationship and that being a big part of like his characterization, but he's also been dealing with this a lot longer than everybody, all all the older kids at least. And then Will, who we see at the very end, He's traumatized. Will is just messed up, man. Like he's oh, he's yeah. never gonna be right. That boy ain't gonna be right. Like never. He's had too much too much time with the mind flare, and now we see at the very end of the season four, as soon as he's back in Hawkins, he's already messed up. And that yeah, that haircut ain't doing him no favors. He's, no. he's had the same haircut for like five years. Yeah, he's outgrown the haircut. It's like it's like his hair hadn't grown, but he has. It's weird. Yeah, he's he's got like a chiseled jaw. Like he's becoming a man. And they're they're kind of trying to hide it with his dress and his hair, like right. That's that's my take on it because he looks a lot more manly than Mike. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like Mike. He's he's good. He's a good character. Not in this season though. I, <sighs> no. Mike is pretty terrible in this season. Yeah. Up until the very end. There's been like, I didn't even like Will that much in this season. Like Will didn't do much. Like that whole group really wasn't it for me. Mike, Will, Jonathan, and Stoner Pizza Dude. I can't remember okay. his name right Okay, Argyle is my favorite, favorite character. I like Argyle for his character, but like the, that group, I just didn't care what they were doing most of the time. I found the stuff going on in Hawkins a lot more interesting, the stuff with L a lot more interesting, um, the stuff with Hopper in Russia, as that was weird, but... I found it more interesting than what those guys were doing, as necessary as it was. So I feel like they took a lot of the the, the enemies or the opponents of the main characters from like seasons one and two, and then they just broke the characters off in fighting those types of opponents, like the government. That's what these yeah. kids were dealing with, the non-supernatural threat that they had to still face off with. Whereas L was fighting the supernatural, the kids in the town were fighting the supernatural, but the yeah. government really wasn't there. They weren't present. There was no police force, really, aside from that one speech. The guy was like, nobody interfere. And then he was never yeah. heard from again the rest of the series. Well, that's not true. No, he, he interrogated the kids. He, he, you can see him skulking around here and there. He bust the kids party up in like the first or second episode. Well, I guess after the, about the mid after about the mid season, there's well, I guess there's no outer government, there's no greater government entity yeah. in Hawkins. I guess that's right. my point. And the kids were fighting that form of the opponent, you know. I get that. I just it just kind of fell. Fl- I wish they would have done more with those characters because Mike, I don't know, Mike, Mike especially kind of fell flat for me this whole season. Um, yeah, well, but I, Mike was Mike was put to the back burner though. He really was because he's he was like the main kid in the first season. He's the main kid, and, and I, I would even argue he and L. He and L are the two yeah. main characters in the right. entire thing. And even though Will gets sucked into the upside down in the first season, we don't see much of him in the first season. But Mike really he's the leader of the group. He takes charge, but in this season, he is not the leader by any means. I would argue that Dustin is more of a leader. 
of the group at this point than Mike. Well, this is the first season that the kids have the older kids help, like from the get go. Yeah. There's no time where the, the younger kids are trying to do anything on their own. They're just like, yeah, we're going to get aid. We're but a group now. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about characterizations, we have left out so far a huge character, and that's Max. This season, Max played a crucial role in the story. I really enjoyed her character arc. I like where they where they took it from season three. Like, it's everything we've known about Max. She was introduced in season two. Everything we've seen of her, all of her family drama. Then Billy dies at the end of season three. And now she is where she is at in this vulnerable place. And Vecna, Henry, one, whatever you want to call him, really hones in on these kinds of kids. And her especially. Her character in this season blew my mind I, I loved it yeah sadie sink is killing it yeah taking stealing the show away it's awesome yeah she she had the most depth out of all the kids i think the younger kids especially um no one else quite gave me gave me that performance but she really just nailed it and i, I would argue that lucas did a great job dustin is always he's kind of the comic relief but guy with the great ideas. Like I like Dustin's like a rarity in characters for me. I, I love his character, but he's not supposed to be extremely deep. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He tells you what he's thinking all the time. Max, you have to delve in and like try to figure out what's, what's haunting her. Is it, is it Billy's death? Is it because she wanted him to die? Is it be, like, why, what is she struggling with? Cause there's so much she can be, but there's this, this one thing that's, Sticking her to Vecna, and she has all the reason to to just give up, and she yeah. doesn't, and that's what makes her almost more of a hero than L this season. Yeah, oh, I, I I agree totally. Max Max was my favorite character of the season. When I did not like her in season two, I thought they introduced her. I'm like, oh, they're just trying to put another girl in the group. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. But this season, even last season, I liked her a lot more. But this season, she stole the show. Like you said, Wesley, she stole the show for me. Sadie Sink is going to be an amazing actor going down the road. I think that she's going to be in a lot of great stuff. She she nailed this this season. I, I've, I've really enjoyed watching her acting. Her depth, like her, the depth of that character. They really delve into what makes her tick. Um, all of the tension between her and Lucas, all the tension between her and Vecna and the the counselor and her and Kate Bush with that song. And it's oh, it's so many layers to her character this season. One thing I really like is that in a way, Vecna is a bit of a metaphor for suicide because all of these kids are struggling, all the ones who are taken by Vecna are struggling from some past trauma and they're all kind of susceptible to self-harm if not suicide. And they're basically having, you know, therapy sessions with this guidance counselor to help them deal with their trauma, even though this is a pretty terrible guidance counselor. I mean, we see she doesn't really do much of anything. I I thought she was Vecna or working for him at first. I really did. Like she was that horrible. Cause she was so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's that 1980s uh, mental health. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> yeah, just go home and think about it. All right, bye. Um, 
but yeah, the, the characters that, that get to, uh, Chrissy's one, uh, I think Freddie, I think the guy's yeah, name is yeah. Freddie, the right. geeky dude. Yeah. Yep. Who killed his friend or whatever in the car wreck. Um, who was the other one? There was another one that crumpled up and died. The basketball right? player. Yeah. The basketball player. Yeah. He, he really kind of put, kind of got put on the back burner too, but each one of those killings had meaning. Each one of those characters had a great story. It was, it was fleshed out. I think this season did a lot of things that kind of put our main characters on the back burner, like Mike and Will and L. Even I mean, like even L, she gets her powers back. There's, but she wasn't that interesting to me. It's these side characters, um, Max, who really started out kind of like a side character. Now she's like up front and center, amazing on character roll, yeah. on the roll. Chrissy, the the basketball player, Freddie did an amazing job. Eddie. Eddie is one of my new favorite characters. I thought I was going to hate him from the word go. When I saw him in the first episode, he was so full of himself and just like, it was, it was nauseating, right? Like I was like, dude, this guy's too much. And then by the end of the second episode, I was like, man, I really feel for this. This is a good character. They always give us somebody we fall in love with and then rip him from us or her i think it's always been men though we should know by now we should know if you're not if you don't have a direct connection with one of the main group you're gonna die if like you're not related or in love with yeah you will die i thought eddie was gonna die from the word go well not from the word go at first i thought he was gonna be just like a crappy character the whole season but by the end of the second episode when he had witnessed all that stuff he was on the run and we were all very sympathetic of eddie i was like oh no eddie's gonna die i felt i felt that i'll tell you what i was i was scared that steve was gonna die i thought that steve might get it this season i wasn't i wasn't worried he's too big of a character now he's too big to fail i I get that but like he had that whole scene in the RV with Nancy where he's talking about he wants six kids and wants to travel around. Uh, and one of my favorite lines came out of that, by the way. Robin says, the kids are saying that uh, that they look so mad. And uh, Robin says that it's not every day that you lose your house and your car all in one fell swoop. And <laughs> that was such a funny scene. It was. The mask if, and everything. If I, were, if I were to introduce myself at the beginning of every episode and I had a little quippy line to say, that would have been mine this time is, you, it's not every day that you lose your home and your car all in one fell swoop. But when Steve is really just pouring his heart out to Nancy, like he wants to travel the country with his kids and his family, his wife, and he he wants these things. And I feel like these are things he's he's kind of come up with recently, like in the last couple of years. Like he's really like, I want to settle down. I want to be this guy. And then he tells Nancy that you were there in that daydream, like you're part of that. And I was like, oh, no, Steve. Steve's going to get it. I thought Steve was going to get it. I thought he was going to die. I'm like, he, Steve, as much character development as we've got from him the last couple of seasons, this season really kind of, I don't know, it was just straight up for me. Like, he just became this guy that relates to the kids and helps the kids out, and he's he's a fun guy to be around. He's really working on himself. He really came into his own, and he's like, he's that product now. He is just a good guy. He's just a great, great person now. I do feel like um, that next season with the 
relationship between him and Nancy and Nancy and Jonathan. I think either Jonathan or Steve's got to get taken out. I could see Jonathan's it. gone. I think Jonathan's gonna die. Jonathan's yeah. gonna die. So what's so Will is already succumbing to the mind flare again, and it's gonna take him. And Jonathan will do everything to get his brother back because we see that is still his main and and probably on, only real connection now that Nancy's kind of swaying. Yeah, she she's she's swinging, man. She's she's swaying, dude. She she's she's gonna she's gonna fall in love with Steve. I'm I'm calling it, and I'm. I'm I'm all here for it. Do we want to talk about Russia? <laughs> sure. Let's talk about let's talk about Russia in 2022. It's it's this it's no 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 USSR. You, you, you want to talk about the Soviet Union? <laughs> We're not talking about Russia on this podcast. Like I think I feel the same way about the Soviet Union stuff that Blake felt about the kids running from the government. Yeah. Like I, I I wasn't super interested in that. We've seen the Demogorgon and we've seen the Demodogs, however you say their names, whatever they're called. And Doug Dimodome from the Dimsdale Dimodome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've seen them uh, we've seen at least the Demogorgons in season one and the dogs in season two. It was it was nice. It was great to see another heroic moment from Hopper, but especially the ending scene where they go back into the prison to kill what was there, the Demogorgon and the, the other dogs yeah. that were there. It, it felt unnecessary. It was just like, why? Why would you feel like this is even going to help? What What makes you think that this is w- helpful at, in any way, form, you know? So, those characters had to have something to do, okay? The, the older kids are now kind of like the adults, you know? Like, yeah, we, we call them the older kids, but I mean, they're adults, and the younger kids are at a place now where, where they don't need as much guidance. So those older characters, like the really adult characters, are kind of getting phased out in the sense that they can help the younger characters. Because at this point, the younger characters have done just as much or more to fight these supernatural forces, right? So they have to have something for them to do. So they literally had their own adventure in Russia. Well, I feel like especially by the time... By the time they leave and escape the prison, going back in was, I think, just another waste of 20, 25 minutes of screen time. I think they could have just not done that at all, had them appear at the end like they did, come back to Hawkins, have their moments with the kids like they did, do all that same way. But they they didn't need that. It just just made a two-hour thing, two and a half hours, you know? I think think you're right. I think you're right. I, I didn't... I thought it was weird at the end of season three when we kind of got that tease that, oh, uh, Topper's in Russia now. And it was just like, okay, it looks like we're- Really? We're going to go to Russia? It feels like we're going to jump the shark here, right? We all know what that means. And anyone that's ever seen Happy Days, that that term comes from Fonzie literally jumps a shark in Happy Days. And that's when that show just kind of goes downhill very, very fast. So the term jumping the shark means that this show's about to just die. Like, it's, it's, it's about to be really bad. They've done all the good ideas, and now it's just bad ideas. Crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, because they're still making money, right? And I thought that Hopper being in Russia was going to be a jump-the-shark moment. They handled it better than, they, than I thought they would. I do, I do like Mrs. Byers. What's her, what's her name? I can't think of her first name. Joyce. Joyce, yeah. So Joyce, so Joyce and Murray, I like them going to Russia to get Hopper. 
That was nice. Yeah, that was fun. That was that was that was fun. It wasn't like I don't think it was like the most necessary thing. It was a side thing, but it was it was cool to see. To me, that was the comic relief. Yeah. That between him, between Murray and Joyce, and then you had Argyle. The pilot. And the pilot too. The that and the, the yeah, the pilot the was weird pilot too, guy. but yeah. Yeah. But them saving Hopper was a good storyline. Him, even him fighting the Demogorgon, that's fine because we it's we know that the, that they kind of have some experience with the supernatural, whatever they're doing. Cool, let him fight the the Demogorgon. But then, like amassing this whole plan, like you you guys get us with the helicopter and we're gonna go back and flame them up. Like it was, yeah, it felt really forced by the end. And I think they spent a little too much time with that storyline. That that's just how I think about it. Time they could have used on Mike. Yeah. Poor Mike. You know. Or Will, because Will Will always gets shafted. Will really does. Will never gets a lot of heroic time. Season one, he's just out of the picture for most of the the season. Like he's just not there. He's in the upside down. The second season is just like, oh, Will's weird. Okay. That's his whole shtick in the second season. And in the third season, Will's just there. Like yeah, Will in third season, Will is like literally just just there. there. He's the third Will of the Will. <laughs> this is my southern accent. The third Will of of everybody. Like you got Lucas and uh, Lucas and Max. They got their little thing going on. You got Mike and L. They got their thing going on. You've got um, Dustin and Steve. They're 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 a little bromance. Um, and Will's just kind of left out. We haven't talked about Lucas. And I feel like he's got a very 80s trope style of an arc where he wants to be a popular jock. He finds out that the jocks are like basically mean and terrible. And then he has to, at the end of the day, choose to join his friends instead of the jocks. And that's a very 80s movie, like right yeah. there in itself, you know? Yes, it is. But it has the, the added element of his, his girl is kind of sort of one of the geeky people friends and they're the freaks and geeks they are I, I like the way they they played lucas this season I, I i found it odd that he was on the basketball team at the beginning of the uh the season like we see him separate well let's talk about another way they might be a little racial okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> i get that. one of the few black kids in town on the basketball team i'm just saying that's yeah another way you, you might be right they do reference it it's just never overt yeah it's not it's not overt but still, with his characterization, he's always just been a big geek like the rest of the guys. And yeah. he just wants to be popular. But he hit puberty. He did. He hit he puberty. And like, a lot, well, a lot of the kids hit puberty this season. Dude, kids change. I mean, they, they do that. Yeah. Your friends in elementary school were probably not your friends in middle school. Your friends in middle school were probably not your friends in high school. Speaking from experience. Um, Actually, I had the opposite, but I'm from a very small town. You go through the same school system. It's it's the same like, one hundred and fifty kids. Oh no, I went I went to the same school with all the same people. We just all ended up liking each other a different way than we did at the beginning. It was it was weird. Um, it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's what a story arc right there. What a story arc. We should we should do Blaker things. Um. <laughs> but um, yeah. Wesley but, shaking his head for the record. I want that to be said on the <laughs> podcast that he was like, I don't know, guys. Uh, don't this know might be a bridge too far. That's too much. That's too much. I mean, in, in a show, you usually don't have one of your... I mean, you do have the friends turn on each other, but 
at the end of the day, they're all going to be friends at the end of the show, right? For the most part. So to see him kind of like take such a drastic change, well, I, I like the depth and I think it was great for that character. I, I didn't see him being the one that tried to be popular. To be honest, I thought that maybe Will or Mike would try to get more into the popular thing than Lucas. I, I felt Lucas was always secure with who he was, where Mike and Will were not in past seasons. And I think that's why he's the candidate to become the jock. Like, if you look at Mike, no offense to the actor and who he is, but he's a pretty skinny, kind of frail guy. And Will, even though, like, let's, I'll be real, he looks like he, if he got a different haircut, he'd be a very manly looking 15 year old or whatever they are. Oh, if you see him in Irving, he was on Jimmy Kimmel um, recently, and dude's got a different, he looks, he's just, he's just a dude. (laughs) Like, yeah, so he he looks a lot more adult than, to be honest, uh, Mike does. He hasn't quite got that, uh, I guess, the body mass yet. And I was a skinny kid. Yeah, um, but I forgot where exactly I was going with that. But you got Mike who looks the part, but he's mentally stunted. Yeah, you know, he's he couldn't be. He's not going to be the popular kid because he could never relate to the other kids. Never ever. No. And and the only reason he can relate to his friends is because he knew them before, and they all play D and D. So it's you know it's it's kind of sort in the realm. And they, well, they all they all they all have been through some stuff at this point. So right. they, you know. Right, and then you've got uh, I can't remember. Is it Dust- Dustin is more of a comic relief, which is typically not the popular person, you know. Right, and he's very secure in his identity too. By the way, like he's Dustin has never tried to be more than Dustin. Like he's just Dustin. Right, and he's very secure in that. He is, and it doesn't get boring. Like a lot of times, that kind of trope will get boring. It does not get boring with Dustin. Like I think. They had just enough Dustin in this season, and in the entire show, they have just enough Dustin to be great, and but it's not too much, right? I think maybe maybe uh, I think last season when Dustin had the singing moment with his girlfriend, for me <laughs> that was a bit of a moment like ruiner. I was like, this is getting a little weird, and you know, this is this is a bit out of like. Character left field. Well, Dustin's character didn't even want to sing. It was great. It was it was weird. The never ending story. So I'm saying I think maybe last season they realized they did a little too much with Dustin, yeah. so pull back a little bit. Well, but but it was only but it was only that one part though. Like the whole stick with him having that girlfriend out of town, I thought it was hilarious. And his relationship with Steve for seasons two and three has been a big thing. Yeah. for a while. So now bringing another kind of male mentor into his life while Steve is dealing with his relationship issues made yeah. sense. It did. I, I think they played those characters out very well. The story was great. I'm not going to lie to you. Like the first, the first episode, I was a little worried that I was not going to like this season. Like I thought it was a weird way to kind of come into it. And I, I just didn't, I don't know the, the introduction of Eddie kind of put me off at first, but I really grew to love him. But I think this I think this season's really solid. I like it better than the third season, for sure. Um the first season was just out of this world. I think it was just so new, you know. Uh, it was just such an original idea. But all of these characters have gotten so much development. We've we've seen them grow. They've become 
mature you know they're they're all older now and of course with the couple of years that's gone by that they haven't filmed because of covid and this and that we're, we're definitely gonna get a great story for season five they've definitely set that up so what what are some of the biggest critiques of this season what what do you guys think could have been done better i have one and it's a really minor thing but i think l's story too similarly goes along with many characters we see who are overpowered and it's that they lose their power and have to go through some process of gaining it back basically to nerf them for a season or, or even two yeah uh, I, I think of legend of Korra, for example right. season three i think of legend of Korra. she basically is unable to access her true potential that's right um Aang in the original series, The Last Avatar, loses his some of his ability to access the Avatar state. Yep. There's some Correct. other very similar stories. Um, you know, I can't I can't think of of specifics right now, but it's a it's a pretty common trope when you have a character who's basically become so strong you can't have a good story the if they exist in the same. The Green Ranger and Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, had to lose. His okay, power. yeah, he lost his a, powers. Yeah, throwback, baby. I, lo- I love some Power Rangers. So that, my criticism is not that they didn't do it well, because I think they did it well, but... It happened. It's that they did... It ha- yeah, it happened, and I've seen it before in a story arc, and I was almost... I wouldn't say expecting it, but once she lost her powers, I was like, okay, she's going to get them back and save right. the day. Like, it's, I, I already knew that story. Where that was going, and, and I think that's why it wasn't as interesting for me. I think Elle at the beginning of the season was very interesting. Like her dealing with being a normal person was interesting. That was, yeah. It was. But then you get back into her regaining her powers. It's like, oh, I've seen this a million times. You know, I've, 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 I've yeah, seen this when story. She gets, when she goes to the facility and starts the training, you're like, yeah. okay, she's going to. Great. She's yeah. going to get it back, and at the at the very last second, she'll access the power of friendship, which she does. She, she does. does do that. She, she does, does access the power of friendship, but she does that in almost every season. Yeah, but it's, but it's in a good way, though. She she relies on her yeah. own power. She's just facilitated by her friends. But the beginning of the season, that was the high point for Elle, for me. And, and at the end, I like what she does at the end as well. So the very beginning, the very end, the middle stuff's kind of eh. It's pretty badass when she was just got she got mad and she was like, "I'm gonna take my skate off and just bash this girl's head." Like, yes, I was I was I was trying to find where to put that in there because I love watching her like beat her bully up with a skate. That was my favorite part of the the season. It's like she's not <laughs> just a threat with the telekinesis; she will definitely bust some caps. Like she'll go off. She'll well, and she doesn't bust sp- your head with a skate. She's not very well spoken. She doesn't speak very well, and I don't know what kind of half baked facility they were running with the superpower stuff. I don't know why she can't speak very well. I hate, I hate that. You know, that's not great. Yo, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that, but we do get glimpses of the other kids, and the other kids seem to be able to speak the way we do. Normally, and no common language, but L seems really stunted in this way. Yeah. Why? Yeah, why, why is that? And I guess. Okay, as I think about it, she is taken from her mother really young. Maybe the other kids aren't taken as young, quite as early. Yeah, but even then, I mean, you would develop language at a normal rate around other kids right. who speak well. I mean, so maybe maybe there is some kind of mental gap in her. I don't know. I just don't know. But that's the one thing I I don't really like about her characters is she 
she doesn't speak well, right? So she's the she gets picked on in school, and everyone thinks like she's a freak. And I know that's what we're supposed to think, but I just think it's weird that she's the only one. And I, at the beginning, I think we're meant to think that oh, she was in this facility, and they just they just make she's a lab rat and this that and the other. But now in this season, we do see that other kids speak normally, and you know, so maybe maybe this is just some representation for those with disabilities i you know I, I don't know one thing that seemed kind of odd to me was that i'm jumping around here but That's at okay. the end yeah at the end when um you know vecna is taking his victims and Maxine is the final one that he's going after and ultimately uh in a very emotional powerful scene um you know Maxine succumbs to vecna and you know she's hurt uh, and she's disabled, and uh, you know she's blind, and she passes, and it's very. And she li- she pa- she literally dies and loses arms. Yeah, she died, and but then out of nowhere, Elle says, "No, not today." And then that's how you know Matt seems in a coma. So that whole thing seemed a little weird to me. It's like, wait, so you're you have some kind of ability or some kind of power or some kind of will to keep her in a coma. Well, go use that on Eddie. Let's bring him back too while we're at it. <laughs> I take it at that point, Eddie is is quite past the point, and Max and L have a relationship yeah. to where she would care. She doesn't know Eddie. You she, know? Who the heck is Eddie? She's never. Maybe if she digs really, really deep inside her, maybe she can bring him back. Just a little... <laughs> I don't know. I think Eddie's. Dead. I take that I as. Eddie's dead. Here's here's how I took that scene: is that uh, Max did die but she was able to do cpr through telekinesis to pump her heart and keep it going until she was like stable yeah something that's how i took it because we've we've seen that l can manipulate body parts because she takes that whatever device in one yeah you know the device that uh Papa was using to control one. She takes she that takes device right out. out so of we've him. seen her before manipulate the inner workings of a human body. So I, I took that as she she's doing CPR in very small parts. That 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 part is very small. I mean, let's not forget that had to be a very precise jerk. Like she got a hold of her powers in a way that she could just. It was very precise. She could work her powers very precisely. And keeping a heart going, I would assume, would be even easier. And yeah. she's more powerful now. Yeah, hundred percent. So she just she kept that heart beating until the ambulance showed up, and they got her to the emergency room, and now they got her on machines. That's how I took that scene. Yeah, but it was a very jarring, like, oh my god, this is very like the tension is heavy. To it's daylight, everybody seems normal, and now we're kind of catching up with everybody. It was jarring. I do like the period that we get from Max being dead to the two days later where everyone's like, you know, there's a lot of people leaving the city. There's a max exodus from Hawkins. There's the people helping others out who can't get out. There's the people who are doing well. There's um, Argyle and Jonathan, Will, L, and uh, Mike just strolling in. in when everyone's leaving. That was that was a good catch-up. I like the follow-up. We don't get that in a lot of series. We had about 20 minutes of follow-up after they took Vecna out for the season. So we get the emotion. We get the kids being reunited with each other, with their parents, Elle with um, Hopper, and Joyce with her kids. And everybody just, 
reuniting. I thought that was something that was special about this season is we had a lot of time for wrap up. Usually there's like a two minute scene where we beat the villain. Yay. Let's go on about our lives. But this really had a setup. You see the consequences of what has happened and you also get the feel goods of everyone reuniting. And where do we go from here? Like what's going forward? We have the ominous, like weird snow that kills things and the, the storm cloud. Oh, it's, it's, a, I thought it was ash. Like I, th- I thought they were just miss. It, like the little girl says, mommy yeah, is snowing. snowing. I thought it was just ash. It may be, but it kills things too. I don't, I have no idea. It, it probably was. It's, it's symbolism for something. <laughs> something. It's, it's, it's something, it's something. It, it, you know, symbology. I think the last 20 minutes of this season really sets things up, but also, Gives you a, a a good like stopping point for where we are. Like every we can like take a pause and everyone can catch up with one another. Everyone's been apart all season. Like we've had four different groups of people doing stuff, and now we're all back together again. Like the band's back together, and now season five is going to be all out war against the upside down. So quick gripe because it seems like we're moving on quickly from the gripe segment. Yeah, gripe, gripe away. Gripe. We know, we I know you got a gripe, man. Gripe sessions always open. Yeah, just gripe. If Max didn't die, if she ended up not dying after all, shouldn't that shouldn't that gate close? Because he because Vecna needs four deaths, or or did the fact that she died in the first place for even the briefest moment count for his four deaths? Well, that's my assumption is how they played it. Yeah. But I would think that her coming back would like seal up part of the gate. <laughs> Yeah, but she was she was dead when all that happened though, right? Like that whole thing happened when she died. Like so maybe it did seal it off and now like it's kind of like it's it's on the verge but it's that's what's held off all that other stuff. Like all that other stuff's trying yeah. to break through and it's only got three gates and not four, so it's not totally there. That's why you don't see all hell break loose at the very end. Like it's it's coming though. And I may be misremembering remembering this but i think papa explained that with the pencil and he's like it's getting fractured and the more pressure you build it snaps and i think the fourth death was enough for it to, for the gate to snap open and and you can't really undo that you need you need some kind of i, I don't know how you undo it we'll, we'll see that next season you can kind of hold it back she came back to life so maybe it does kind of like yeah. put a reprieve on because it wasn't a breakthrough you know, there's still living. There's some people living in Hawkins. There's not monsters yeah. roaming around just yet. But we we do get that initial, so. you know, seven point five earthquake and the the four lines of death come right through Hawkins. Those are the four deaths, I think. Like it, it happens, but she comes back to life, and maybe that seals off that fourth gate, and maybe all the other stuff that's happening is the stuff that's seeping through. Because there's definitely a connection. Or. Or it actually doesn't matter, and the fact that we're not seeing an immediate breakthrough is the fact that they really messed up Vecna at the end there, and he's just recouping real quick before he actually invades. And that too. But I think I think season five, we're going to get an all-out war. I want to see the people of Hawkins fight the Upside Down. So that that's going to be cool, I think. And and what even is the upside down? I, I know that we we throw it around, but it really seems like it's contained to like Hawkins. You know, no, no, no. It was interesting because we saw Vecna walking around the upside down before he turned it into a recreation of Hawkins. That's true. It was not it was just heels. It was not. Yeah, it was just this weird barren wasteland was, of like he was, hell with Demogorgon. He was running up the hills and 
He was making deals with God. He was trying to swap places, man. And he, I think those little spider-looking things are like the god of the realm, but he's like the brain, like he's like the general controlling it. I think the he's, consciousness. yeah, I think he has actually taken control now because yeah. he's the one. He's in a way more powerful. The mind flare is not maybe sentient, yeah, in a way that he is. And that's like we were talking about, like the mind flare and the demogorgon and all the other beasts. They're like they're animals. Aren't an enemy yeah. the way? Yeah, yeah. They're just they're just doing their thing, but Vecna is the first one that actually will make a plan yeah. and has his own like. Well, will will even his says wants and desires. Will even says at the end of the season, he's like, now I I know who's been doing this to me. It's it kind of clicks now. It's it's been Vecna all it's been Vecna all along, right? Um, it that so that that tells you that since the beginning, that's who's been doing this stuff. And when we see L take uh, one out in that that flashback, is she creating the upside down? Was it already there? I think, and this is where I think a lot of questions open up for the next season. Like we can delve into, like the lore of the upside no, down. No, I think. Well, I think I think they make it pretty clear that the upside down existed. It's an alternate dimension that she created a portal to. Right. It existed. And it had no interference with Hawkins before she creates that initial portal, excuse me, sending Vecna through. And then Vecna makes this weird, like, alternative Hawkins because of his, I guess, memories and knowledge of, of Hawkins. wonder if he grew up there. Which is why, which is why it all looks, the Upside Down continues to look the same way it did when that initial gate was opened, right? right? Remember, they, they discussed that because some of, like, the rooms had changed, like... Uh, Nancy goes into her room and finds an old stuffed animal that she no longer has, yeah. but it was like three years ago she had it. Remember that scene? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's Hawkins as it was when L creates that initial gate. Yeah. But Eddie must have played guitar because Eddie had that guitar in the Upside Down. That's pretty, that's rad, dude. They have electricity in the Upside Down somehow because those amps or whatever he was <laughs> using to create sound with that electric guitar had to have some power. I don't know, man. It was it was ringing all around the upside down. Maybe it was just his the power of his heart. His the power of the rock. Power of rock. That's right. <laughs> what was uh what was the music? I can't remember what the actual song it's was. It's Metallica. Metallica Master of Puppets. Yeah. Okay, yeah. nice. I'm glad Wesley had that on. And it top. was it, it was definitely a uh, an '80s. That was definitely an '80s song. Yeah, like do 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 do. Oh, I loved it. As a drummer, I couldn't help but be like, "Hey, there's drums, and there's no drum set. There's nothing. It's just a dude on top of a trailer playing guitar. I didn't see an amp. Well, he started with the guitar. It was just the guitar riff, right? He was just doing that, and then as all the other people got involved, the rest of the music came. It was it was very cinematic. So, okay, in actuality, though, it's just him, no amp, screaming, <laughs> playing an electric guitar, making minimal actual sounds with a guitar, because anybody who knows about guitars knows electric guitars without being plugged in. Do nothing. Just kind of ting, 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 ting. Yeah, that's dumb. You don't, you don't really get any tones. So it's just him screaming like... The Upside Down is a massive amp, okay? That's, that's my canon. Maybe. That's my canon. But... Keep it on the music train, and this is, I'm, we're kind of getting to the close here, but, dude, Kate Bush has got to be raking in the dough right now. Did, do you think she ever thought her song was going to be that big of a hit in 2022 when she wrote it back in, like, the early 80s? She did a rare interview 
on like a radio and she's like it's been insane she never like she didn't imagine this yeah and from the first time i heard the song in the show i will say i was late to getting to this show um you know i i do the tiktok thing right i'll scroll through tiktok we have dork wars podcast tiktok so go go check us out um but you know i'd be flipping through tiktok and that song would come on because i did i didn't watch stranger things right when it came out because kenobi came out at the exact same time so I kind of jumped on Stranger Things later in the week. So the TikToks were already flowing with the boom, wow, wow, boom, wow, wow, you know. And I was hearing that song, and then I heard it in the show, and I'm like, dude, this is so catchy. Like, I, I really enjoyed that song. I think it works well because, in a way, that song is kind of haunting. It is. You know, I, I don't know. I can't describe exactly what it is about that song that makes it work well for a horror, weird style of, of, of I don't know, etherealness that it is. Um, but it's, I guess, between the synthesizers being a little otherworldly yeah. and the fact that she's talking about angelic forces and making deals with God. Like, I don't know. It works well. It does. It just it works. Meshes. And it, it really kind of owns to the fact that Stranger Things has got this weird vibe of its own it's nostalgic and it's horror and it's new age but it's it's all these different things combined like everybody can get something out of stranger things and i I know we were talking about this like at the very beginning of the discussion but it's like it's it's got that that kind of home feeling like this is how the world was at one time and we can kind of hearken to that we feel that but at the same time it's like this all this horror stuff is happening and all this different takes on history is happening and it's it's cool to see it's it's really captured its own vibe its own genre really yeah it i think it's really unique and original and it's another version of, we talked about star wars because we're mainly a star wars podcast right. but the duffer brothers are another version of a lucas where they're a, a somebody who has at least a a great idea and has the creative freedom to be able to produce their idea and make a good story without the infringement of people just trying to make money. And the fact that they're not just trying to make money and that they're free to make the story that they want to make is the, is what makes it so good. And I think that's part of the problem of the Disney star Wars era. Yeah, I agree with you. I do. They're, they're in it for the money. They're not about developing a story and the Duffer brothers are definitely about the story. And they've developed these characters very well. We have four seasons of greatness now. I, I I enjoy every season. I think the first season and this season are my favorites thus far. Seasons two and three are good, but they don't have anything on this season and the first. I agree. I think this this season, it's almost like it's it's almost like a mid season where the heroes lose in a way it's it's the episode five of the story where the heroes are in their lowest place and then in the next season they're going to have their triumphant yeah, because moment. they 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 kind of win but they don't right like they they quote unquote beat vegna they lose well they i mean the, the gate opens it does it does they beat vegna but the the bleed through from the upside down still wrecks hawkins like shakes their entire world so, I I think we're in a good spot. I can't wait to see what happens with season five. Who knows if it'll be the last season? I, I honestly think we won't know 
until we see the reception of season five, because, you know, we're getting to this point, you know, we, we talked about jumping the shark earlier. Every show has that point. I feel like it's got to be, though. Yeah. I mean, we can't. I, f- I feel like this story's got to wrap up. So I was expect I was really expecting more of a wrap up than what we got yeah. this season. I don't know if I expected it to end, but I was, I didn't expect a whole like gate to open. And now, like, we know what's been going on. We know so much about everything now that it's just got to end. Yeah. There's not much Mystery. of a story left to unravel anymore. And I think, you know? I think the, uh, I think the Henry one Vecna storyline really filled in the gaps. And that's what really did it was now we know that he was pushed into the upside down by L way back when. And now he's kind of created all this stuff. And now we're coming to a head. This last season is, is really going to just be a huge battle between Hawkins and the upside down. It's kind of like the end game. Like they, they should really do this and kind of cut it off. They they can kind of take everything they've done so far, culminate it in this last season, make it a huge epic battle, give us all the feels, give us, you know, Dustin and Steve thrashing everybody, give us Steve and Nancy getting together, give us Mike and Elle coming into their own and looking longingly in each other's eyes. Do, do all that. Do it. But give us a good send-off. Let, let's not... Let's not take this too far where it gets too weird because before too long, the only thing that's going to be left is too weird, right? The strangest of things. The strangest of things. Then we have to have a sequel, The Strangest of Things. So let's rate this thing, Wesley. I'm coming to you first. One out of ten. What do you give season four of Stranger Things? All right. I'm feeling generous. I'm feeling like Oprah Winfrey. I've been giving out tens, so I'm giving out another ten. 10 out of, yeah, let's Ooh, go. Wesley. No, man. It, I mean, what kind of car are we driving away? <laughs> a new car. It's a Jeep Wrangler because I love Jeeps. Yes, I want a Jeep Wrangler. It's. I wish you had one to give me. All right, I don't. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I I like this. I like this show, man. It's just a, a sci-fi fan, fantasy aspect. That's my nerdiness speaking to me. Um, I love the cliffhanger and mystery vibes, um, and of course that nostalgic '80s vibes. Like, I'm a '90s kid, so I wasn't born in the '80s, but I, I feel like I was an '80s kid because this show makes me feel like I'm there, you know. Um, but not just yeah. the '80s though. Like th- this season in particular, <laughs> did a really good job of making nostalgic within the own show. Like they had so many flashbacks and pictures of the kids when they were younger, six years ago, and you know a lot of references to. Uh, earlier seasons and so it's just nostalgic within itself um then you know i think there's some cool aspects that happened this season like i know i know dietrich didn't particularly like the whole uh soviet union and and the demogorgon thing but this demogorgon was like juiced up and beefy man and just like the cinematography oh not cinematography but like the picture contrast of this huge monster with the snow and the prison it was just it looked so cool to me man that was like i think it was well done there it was pretty. Yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty. a good, good monster, I think. And then, you know, Eddie shredding it in the in the upside down. I, I don't even gotta elaborate on that. That was just bad. <laughs> um, 
and just this cast in particular just stellar man like we're going to remember these kids the rest of our lives um and, you know like, oh yeah those kids yeah. i've been with their children and and stranger things when that show came out so yeah man it's it's a cool time it's a cool time in this world so 10 out of 10 nice man and just to kind of ping off what you were saying it was nostalgic to itself stranger things has created its own culture like there is a stranger things culture out there you you got the funko pops you've got the uh, the merchandise out there for stranger things it really is becoming a phenomenon all of its own it's 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 its own culture there's there's a stranger things culture out there i like it so Diedrich, rating one out of ten for season four of stranger things i'm gonna go with an eight um really strong really good i've really liked it it was not a 10 for me because of the gripes i had and then maybe a last reason that is selfish but i really thought because of the cheech and chong reference that argyle had in his character i thought they were going to use that so you know how vecna always attacked you at your your sad points in your life right right? So in, in my mind, I had this image of Argyle and the rest of the gang that was with them. So Mike, Will, Jonathan, all of them coming to town and getting hit with this like psychic blast of sadness. And Argyle and maybe Argyle with Jonathan being so high that they're just unable to be, to sad. be sad. And they just and they just continue to drive through and they're because they're high, they're able to save the day and not be affected by Vecna and his bullshit. <laughs> And that didn't happen, and I'm a little sad because it didn't happen. But that was always in the back of my mind what I wanted to happen. I'm crying over here. (laughs) Cheech and Chong's excellent. So an eight. (laughs) Saving the day, brother. I'm not even going to give my rating. I can't. I can't. Not not after that. I should have let you go last. But I'm going to give this season... An eight out of ten. I'm with Diedrich. I had some gripes. Mike was not developed very well. He's a main character, and he's just not developed well. L kind of fell flat uh, midway through the season for me. Argyle's cool. I like Argyle. I like the new characters. The new characters we get introduced to, even though they all die, um, they were very interesting. Max really comes up. Dustin Max and lucas really take the next step erica lucas's sister she's she's now like in in the group she's a main character now um the older kids always do it for me jonathan uh, he's kind of like eh for me but steve and robin and nancy i love those characters and they they went on their adventure i really like what they've done with this season they branched out I was skeptical when I saw the first episode, but after that, it just went up. Like, just from there, it exponentially exceeded my expectations. We got good character development out of characters I, I didn't think we were going to get development out of. And then we we didn't get the development out of some characters I would have liked to. So for that reason, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Great story still. We still have a ways to go, at least a season can't wait to see where it goes so let's hand it over to master yoda for the word of the week there is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy upside down the word of the week is (laughs) um 
yeah, yeah, it, it is it is the upside down. We we talked about that a lot tonight. And I really like what they did with it in this season. Like, we got to see, like, Vecna's fortress. We got to see that cool fight between him and Eleven. Um, all the fleshed out parts. We even got some lore on it um, this season that it's actually uh, Hawkins as it was when the, the portal opened the first time that uh, Eleven pushed Vecna, Henry number one, whatever you want to call him, into the Upside Down. Yes, a great well of energy it is. <laughs> uh, Master Yoda, do, do you have like a frog in your throat or something? I, it's, something's just off with you t- tonight. No, fine I am. <laughs> no, fine he is not. My counterpart from the Upside Down he is. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so there are two two Yodas. Destroy him, I will. <laughs> no, destroy me, you will not. Victory, I will have. Oh, uh, get him, Yoda. Yes, destroy him, I will. <laughs> no, never destroy me, shall you? <laughs> oh, uh, a swing and a miss. Uh, oh, gosh, below the belt. Stop fighting that dirty, bad Yoda. Um, oh, good hit. Ah. Weird flip there. Just keep that on balance. Yes, yes, get it, Master. Oh, right, right in the eye. No. Darkness. Never when it does. Yeah, you you could say that again, Master Yoda. I just I'm a little perplexed at what I just witnessed. Um, first time seeing a lightsaber battle in person, and that was just weird. I didn't even know the uh, upside down worked like that, where we all had our like little negative versions of ourselves. Canon, it is not. Oh, okay. So we're just like a non-canon side story to Stranger Things now? Hmm, so it seems. Good money it is. And with that, we come to the end of another great episode of Dork Wars the Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out our website, dorkwarspodcast.com, where you can find the links to our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel. Um, everywhere that you can hear us at. Just check it out there. Interact with us on the socials. We like to hear from you guys. Um, that's what makes this fun, is talking with the listeners. What are some topics you guys want to hear? What are some things that, that you want to discuss with the Dork Wars Bros? Let us know on Facebook, on Twitter, on all those different social handles. And thank you. And may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars, the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a... Are you alone right now? Production.